Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, outreach of Greater Worship Christian Church here in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Robert Enos, along with Chippy the Chipmunk. Oh, my adoring fans. Get ready for a huge dose of reality and a huge dose of common sense. You said it, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm back. Here it is, Thursday, July 26th. It's approximately 4.30 p.m. in the afternoon, and I'm back. I have, um, it's really interesting. Let me tell you what's been going on just a little bit. Now, I think most of you, at least those of you who follow me, know that my studio was a travel trailer, a small travel trailer that my wife and I and some friends had purchased, and we have it parked out back at the church, and I started using it as an office slash studio. And then, um, and it worked great. It was fantastic throughout the winter because that thing heats up really good, and I was comfortable in there, has everything that I need, so I was really happy with it. Then summer hit, and it wasn't just that it was getting a little bit warm, because there's a AC unit in there that when I flip it on, 10, 15 minutes, it's really nice, it's comfortable. But I walked in there the other day, and it was supposed to be 104 in our area. My therm- I have one of those thermometers uh, that monitors outside temperature and inside temperature. So when I walked in, it was extremely hot. And of course, I look at the temperature and it read 106 outside, but 109 on the inside. And even though I turned on the AC and it cooled off, it it took about an hour before it was um, comfortable enough that I wasn't sweating. And um, I don't know, maybe I, I think I may have said something on one of the episodes about that, uh, but it was extremely hot. So not that big of a deal for me because I could just switch on the AC and tough it out for a few minutes and then and then get into my groove. The problem is it's hard to keep electronics like my laptop, these microphones, recording uh, instruments and such in that type of heat. So if I'm not in there with the AC and it's, you know, triple digits, 109, uh, well, you can only imagine what it's going to do to all of my electronics. So, I decided I'm going to move back home to my in-house studio. So, that's what I've been doing for the past couple days. That's why you haven't heard from me in the past couple days. I've been around. I've just been shuffling things around, trying to get things from a bedroom a that we use for guests and such, and somewhat storage to actually being able to use it for my studio and office, ladies and gentlemen. So it's official. I have a studio once again. On July 3rd, that was three days ago, July 3rd, Monday, my wife and I and a a bunch of friends went to see that movie, Sound of Freedom, the Jim Caviezel movie about sex trafficking. And again, if you have been tracking me, you heard me talk about it. I think most of you knew that we were going to go see this. And I was geared up because there's not a lot of things in this world that makes me cry. But one of the things that gets me every time is when a child is hurt. I'm not saying all the time like a kid falls down and skins his knee or his elbow. That's normal. I don't like it. Please don't misunderstand me. I don't like it. But I don't necessarily you know, break out in tears because a kid fell off his bike and scuffed his elbow. That's what normal children do. But what, got, what gets me mostly is when children are abused and 
mainly because, well, the abuse itself is horrendous enough, but when you tack onto that, the absolute terror that a victim like that feels, I can't even imagine putting a child through that kind of terror purposely just to um, feed a perversion. See, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine it's very difficult. I know it happens. It happens all around us all the time, but I still can't. I can't wrap my brain around that kind of mentality that would, would cause a an adult to want to sexually abuse, sexually molest, sexually misuse a child, a minor. Anyways, um, back to the movie. The movie was fantastic. Jim Caviezel did a phenomenal job, phenomenal job acting in this. And, and it, to me, I don't think he was really acting as much as he was just standing on principle and showing the world who he really is by standing against this stuff. Yes, of course, he was acting because he was playing the part of Tim Pallard, the, the gentleman that this movie was about, but he did it with such a uh, realistic passion that it, if, if I didn't know any better, I would have assumed that the movie was not just portrayed by Jim Caviezel, but was actually about Jim Caviezel and the work that he has done rescuing children. He was that um, memorable, and he just did a phenomenal job. And he did a fantastic job. And this movie, it was a tearjerker. I'm not going to lie, ladies and gentlemen, it was a tearjerker. But but what I walked away from, I already knew it was going to be a tearjerker for me. But what I walked away from uh, that movie with was the understanding and realization. It was educational um, uh, as well. But it wasn't done in a school setting. It was educational because it was almost as if they brought you into that world for a little bit of time and showed you what these children go through each and every day. And there was a line in there, and you may have heard it when, talk, when uh, people are talking about this movie and interviews and such. And um, I'm going to try to quote it word for word. Uh, but I heard Jim Caviezel say this. You know, you can sell a, a bag of cocaine one time. These children, you can sell five to ten times a night. And um, when, that, when I heard that, I just didn't hear it with my ears. I heard that with my soul, my spirit, with my heart. And that broke me. It's bad enough that these children and the little kids in this movie, I, I, I believe they were somewhere around like 12, uh, anywhere from four, six years old to 12 years old. So these weren't, these weren't like saying a, a 17 and a half year old, almost an adult. These were little children, the most innocent walking among us. And they're being exploited in the worst possible way. Can you imagine what these little children are going through every day living in that um, world? Being exploited, being sold, being used and with that kind of perversion five to ten times every day while they're in that lifestyle, while they're in that world. And the question that I have is, well, when these children are no longer... Um, old enough for these perverts to want them, what do they do with them? Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, you don't have to really think about it too hard. They disappear, if you know what I mean. So these perverts are also murderers, but of the worst, worst way. Anyways, I want to read something to you. And uh, what am I going to read to you? I got to find it again here. I have, I have this 
problem with losing things. This is just a portion of an interview with the uh, producer. And this was from, I believe it was Daily Wire. I want to say it was Daily Wire. Let me look real quick just to make sure. I don't like to misrepresent. Oh, I'll find it, ladies and gentlemen. It's been one of those days, just trying to get things going and moving around. Yes, it's from Daily Wire. And the interviewer, his name is... Oh, where is his name? Oh, it's not up here. Well, I know his name is John. Because that's, it says John. And then John says this, or asks this. And then it says Eduardo. And Eduardo says this. Now, anyways, this is an interview with Eduardo. Please, I'm going to butcher this gentleman's name. Vera Stegui? Steg, Stegui? Steg, anyways, Eduardo is his first name. His last name is spelled V-E-R-A-S-T-E-G-U-I. And he's the film's producer. And he was actually one of the um, actors in the film. Did a phenomenal job as well. So here's just a portion. I didn't want to read all of it to you. It's all good. The whole interview is really good. And, and you can find it. I'll leave the link to get to it. But I just want to read this to you because, well, you'll see why. So John, he says, This film is powerful and inspiring, offering hope and direction. But it's obviously a very difficult topic. Why did you take on this particular project? Eduardo says, Well, I'm always looking for projects, but somehow this project found us. We were in Los Angeles, California, when we met Tim Ballard a true American hero, and he introduced us to his friends, ex-FBI agents, CIA agents, ex-Navy SEALs. Now, by the way, Tim Ballard was the gentleman who this movie was about. He was the one who actually, in real life, saved these children. Let me go on. He says, These guys travel around the world undercover, rescuing children who are kidnapped for sex exploitation. And when they explain to us the details of what these children are going through, the pain that they are going through, the suffering, I was very inspired by meeting heroes like them. But I was depressed. I couldn't sleep for days. It was horrible. It was like a nightmare, and I couldn't look the other way. I couldn't remain silent. And Alejandro and I, we said, well, we have a weapon of mass instruction and inspiration. Film. Movies. Movies can move people. We can make a movie. I asked Ballard, okay, so this is a global problem, right? And he said, yes, especially in the U.S. and Mexico. The U.S. is the number one consumer of child sex in the world, and Mexico is the number one provider. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to stop right here. Did you hear that? The U.S., the United States of America, is the number one consumer of child sex in the world and mexico our southern neighbor is the number one provider hmm is it any wonder why the democrats the perverts that they are want open borders huh and many of these border patrol agents and citizens that monitor the border say that many of the cartels are trying to get children across the border Oh, I wonder why. Because the perverts in the USA have connected with the perverts in Mexico and they got this thing going. And as long as they can get those children over the border, the perverts in the United States get to take advantage of them. I really hope, ladies and gentlemen, that you are getting as disgusted with these left-leaning liberal pervert party, the Democrats, as I am. And, and you guys, well, why are you making it political? I am not. I'm just telling you who the perverts are and where you find them. That's it. 
The rest is up to you, ladies and gentlemen, to do something about it. Okay, so let me go on. He says, so I asked him, how come if the United States is the most powerful country in the world, you have the intelligence, you have the army, the police, you have the technology, you have everything. How come we don't finish this problem? And he said to me, because it's not a priority. And we are not the solution, Eduardo. I can be the solution for one child, of course. If I save one child, you save the world. Thank God we have been able to save and to rescue many children, thousands of children. But this is beyond us. It's too big. Now, this is I totally agree with this gentleman, what he just said about how, how it's big and it's not a priority. But again, you have to ask yourself why it's not a priority. It's not a priority because of the perverts that we have elected are the ones behind it. Oh, let's just open the border. Well, don't you know there's child sex trafficking over the border? We don't care. Let them come in. Do, do, can you connect the dots, ladies and gentlemen? Please connect those dots. Please connect the dots. Now, some of you do listen to my podcast in other nations. The, the, it's the truth. The principle is the same anywhere you go. When you see people in high position, whether they be very wealthy, um, powerful business men or women, or politicians, government officials, and they make policies or they do things such as this, there's always a reason for it. Number one, money is usually the number one motivator. But, but what's the number two motivator? Sex. And then the number three motivator is sex and money together. Mark my words, ladies and gentlemen, you can always follow the money trail. But at the same time, you can always follow the sex trail. I'm not trying to sound, you know, uh, apocalyptic or anything. I'm just telling you the truth. And we see this in the United States of America on a daily basis. And so few are willing to talk about it or admit to it. Everybody has their own personal agenda. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I have my personal agenda to see these perverts brought down and placed behind bars in the general population of the prison, not tucked away somewhere in their own private little suite behind bars or in the grave. You say, well, that's kind of harsh. That's my agenda, ladies and gentlemen. It's my agenda. Anyways, let me keep reading. He says, we're talking about millions of children that are kidnapped for sexual exploitation. These kids are being raped 10 to 15 times a day for many years. We need a movement. And I believe that this movie can start this movement. The number one and most important step is to raise awareness. Because if people don't know that there's a problem exists, they cannot be part of the solution in the first place. So we need to tell people through this movement that this is real. This is happening here, next door, everywhere, schools, everywhere. And if we put enough pressure on the media, from our society to the government, we can turn this into a priority. And then, and only then, I have no doubt that by working together, we can end this terrible reality. And that's when I decided to stop everything that I was doing in my life at that time so I can dedicate my life to ending child trafficking. I made a promise to God that I will dedicate everything to join this army of brave people who are not afraid to raise their voices to defend those who don't have a voice, who defend those who cannot defend themselves. That's my motivation. Let's protect every child. God's children are not for sale. Did you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? God's children are not for sale, you perverts. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't mean to make it sound like I was calling you a pervert. I'm speaking directly to the perverts that want to buy children. They 
They must know. They have to know. We're coming for you. One way or another, we're going to catch you. John, the interviewer, asks, Now, this is a film that took several years to get audiences with a lot of roadblocks. Can you tell us about some of those challenges? What made making this film so difficult? Eduardo, Well, everything was difficult from day one. When I shared the idea with my friends and some investors, they said, Why? Why this one? This is too dangerous. This is too dangerous. I said, yes, it is very dangerous, but it is more dangerous not to do it in the long term. And what if this was your son? What if this was your daughter? And I dream that one day we don't have to rescue any more children because this thing is over. It doesn't exist anymore. But we need to start now. What do you mean it's too dangerous, man? Come on, we need to do this. But right there, It was rejection from the people that I went to, knocking on their doors, asking them for support. No, we don't want to get involved in this. So there were obstacles, but thank God we knocked on the doors of the right people who said yes. Even though it was months of many no's, no, 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 we're not going to support this. Finally, someone says yes. You can never give up when you're working on a project that is designed to save lives. This is a calling. This is a mission. This is so profound. So finally, we raised the funds and we made the movie. We went to Columbia because this is a true story. When I asked him, Ballard, I said, it's very hard to make a movie about you because you need a 100 episodes. But this is a two-hour film. So tell me, what's the most difficult rescue mission you've ever done in your life? And he told Alejandro and me, Cartagena, Cartagena, I think that's how you say that, Columbia, the first one. It was very dangerous, it was very difficult, but it was very successful because at the end the kids are crying with tears in their eyes, singing and celebrating their freedom. It was like this beautiful sound of freedom, and that's when we look at each other, Alejandro and I. Okay, that's the name of the title. So after we finished the movie, it was five years of work. Then every studio passed. Ladies and gentlemen, did you hear that? After they finished this movie, every studio passed. We went to Netflix. We went to Amazon. I didn't know why, but they said, this is not for us. This is not good business for us. But this is not about business. It's about saving lives, saving children. This is the greatest evil. I mean, uh, again, I have to stop, ladies and gentlemen, interject. So they said, every studio passed. Netflix, even Amazon, they said, this is bad business. This is not our business. This is not... This is just not good business for us. Ladies and gentlemen, am I missing something here? Netflix, Amazon, and all these other studios thought that telling a story about the child sex trafficking and the torture of these young children in that realm and in that world, and the man who's out there risking his life to save these children, that's bad business. That's what they're... That's what they said. That's just just a bad business. That's just not the business we want. Oh, I don't know if you guys understood this, but but originally when it was being filmed, Disney at some point had the rights and shelved this. And it wasn't until Angel Studios, which it talks about them in a minute, they come by and were able to purchase it and then show it within months. Disney with. I grew up on going to Disneyland and all that. I grew up with Disney. You know how how disheartening it is to see Disney go the way it's going right now, ladies and gentlemen. They're they're groomers. Disney, Disney, Disneyland, Disney World, Disney in general. Their cartoons, their all of that. It's just grooming children for this mess. No wonder they didn't want to show it. But Netflix and Amazon, they didn't want to show this. 
bad business, ladies and gentlemen. Saving children from child sex slavery is bad business. I, I, I'm, I'm beside myself. I don't know even what to think anymore about these businesses, these corporations and such. Anyways, let me go on. Uh, this is the greatest evil. I mean, there's nothing more evil than this. What do you mean this is not for us? The kids cannot wait any longer. I need to do something. So I started doing this tour in Mexico where I asked each governor from each state to host a private screening for leaders of that state. And then after the film, we invited the media too and the press and leaders of that state. And then we signed an agreement, a commitment to end child trafficking in that state. And that's how I survived with this movie. It was two years of tours all over Mexico until finally I was praying for an angel to come to rescue this movie. And guess what? Angel Studios came and rescued this movie. And because of them, now millions of people will see this film. Now there is going to be an opening July 4th. What a symbolic day because it's Independence Day, right? We're celebrating freedom. And and yes, we should with one hand, but with another hand, we should... Bring freedom back to those children who are not free right now. John asks, Well, Eduardo, thank you so much for joining us and for all the work you've done raising awareness for this extremely important issue. God bless you, brother. Thank you. That was Sound of Freedom producer and star Eduardo Veristegui. I can't even say his name. And this has been a special edition of Morning Wire. I wanted to read that to you. And again, I'll put the link so you can read the whole interview if you want. I wanted to read that to you, ladies and gentlemen, because, well, of the obvious reason. This is a huge problem in our country and in the world. Millions of children go missing. Many of them end up in sex slavery. And our priorities truly, truly are not right. Because right here in the United States of America... We have a lot of people demanding and now uh, even debating this idea of reparations for slavery that ended in 1865. And yet their focus is on what happened in 1865 and demanding that they get payment today, even though none of those people are alive in 1865 and none of the slave owners are, are alive today that had slaves in 1865. And yet they're demanding reparations, this huge group of our population demanding reparations for slavery that happened way back then. And we still have child sex slavery happening right now under our nose. And we have all of these people saying, I want reparations for what my great, 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 great granddaddy had to go through many, many years ago. Instead of standing up and saying, no, forget the reparations for something that happened 200 years ago or 150 years ago and beyond. I want to stand up for the children right now that are in sex slavery. We need to put an end to this. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, our priorities are not right in America. Our priorities are not right. Even, listen, even with the whole LGBT nonsense, okay, I just heard somebody say recently, well, you know what? Nobody cared until they came after your children. That, I'm sorry, I I, I want to agree, but I totally disagree because the LGBT community, these perverts have been after our children for many, 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 many years. It wasn't until they put a fake woman picture on a can of Bud Light And that fake woman, that man dressed like a woman, put out a video for the world to see. It wasn't even until that. It wasn't until somebody, until these perverts got a hold of the beer, Bud Light. Then 
everybody went, wait, 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 wait. Now they've crossed a line. They've crossed a line. Well, they've been after our children for many, many years. Many years. And nobody seemed to care. Why is it that in the United States of America or anywhere in the world, the children, the children are always the ones that pay, are left behind, pushed aside? Why is that? Ladies and gentlemen, we need a priority change. We need to change our priorities here in the good old USA. I am I'm just kind of beside myself on all of this because it's so, I just don't understand it. I just do not understand the whole wickedness and perversion, how anybody, anybody could do that to a child. And then nobody seems to care until somebody puts a transgender's face on a Bud Light can. Am I, I, I mean, am I, am I missing something? I don't understand this. This brings me to another article that I want to touch on. And uh, I'm going to read this whole article to you because, well, it has a lot to do with what I'm talking about. Maybe not directly the movie itself, but it, um, it does have a lot to talk about. I just want to show you how messed up our world is and our system is right now. In America, we've got to get on this. We've got to stand up for righteousness. We've got to stand up for these children. This is an article, and this is from Penn live.com penlive.com and i believe it's a oh it's a news source i've just never heard of them i just found this there there was a article very similar to this in fox news but you know i really don't really care for fox news that much so i was happy that i found it here in pen life and this was actually published this article was published august 12th 2022 so almost a year ago and uh the title of this article is Prison sex therapist defends pedophiles as minor attracted persons, outraging victim advocates. So there's this sex therapist who works for the prisons. Why do the prisons in Pennsylvania or anywhere in the world need a sex therapist on call? I I mean, this is, again, this is mind-boggling to me. This is mind-boggling. Anyways, again, this published almost... uh, almost a year ago, and this is by Ivy De Jesus at penlive.com. It says, advocates for victims of childhood sexual abuse are excoriating a licensed sex therapist with the Commonwealth who is advocating that pedophiles be referred to as minor attracted persons, or MAPs, I heard her say. Miranda Galbraith of Pennsylvania Department of Corrections sex therapist and counselor this week engendered pushback after posting a video on social media seeming to defend pedophiles and calling on them to be referred to as minor attracted persons. She is helping to minimize the problem, said Mike McDonald, survivor of clergy sexual abuse and a leader of the state survivors network of those abused by priests. She's helping to minimize the truth, the depth, and the scope and gravity of the crime itself. In a YouTube video titled, Let's Talk About Minor Attracted Persons, Galbraith said pedophiles were probably the most vilified population of folks in our culture. Well, Miss Galbraith, I wonder why. They're molesting children. They should be vilified. The term pedophile, she goes on to say, the term pedophile has moved from being a diagnostic label to being a judgmental, hurtful insult that we hurl at people in order to harm them or slander them, Galbraith said. I also like to use 
person-first language that recognizes that any label we apply to a person is only part of who they are and doesn't represent everything that they are. PenLive reached out to the Department of Corrections for comment. Press Secretary Maria Bevins <clears throat> indicated she would respond to the inquiry but had not done so by Friday afternoon. McDonald, who was abused by two priests when he was between the ages of 11 and 12 and who has for years advocated for victims of clergy sex abuse, pushed back at Gal Galbraith's suggestion. When I hear the term pedophilia, I get a punch in the gut and I have to pay attention because I want to know more about that individual, said McDonald, who testified in the investigation into clergy sex abuse at the Archdiocese in Philadelphia. I want to know if the community is going to be safe where he or she is going to be allowed to return to after time. Minor attracted individual absolutely is a slap in the face to sexual abuse victims globally. We were victimized. We were targeted by predators who had groomed us and who had used us as their bait and as their play. That is the crime and it needs to remain named a crime. Galbraith claimed that Many minor attracted persons never act on their attractions. She pointed to incorrect assumptions about child sex offenders and referred to them as already marginalized population. An already marginalized population, ladies and gentlemen, these perverts. And she's concerned that these perverts, these pedophiles, these perverts, well, that they're just so marginalized. Well, I know how we can get them out of the margins. Let's get rid of them completely. Let's get com completely rid of them once and for all. Let's rid them so that they can't harm another child and they can't harm anyone else. Let's get them out. Let's, let's stop marginalizing them. I agree. Let's just get rid of them completely. Huh? How about we do that, Miss Galbraith? <sighs> Don't get me going, ladies and gentlemen. Let me finish this article. Marcy Hamilton, a national advocate for victims of child sex abuse and statute of limitations reform, explains that Galbraith's suggestion is not unique, but rather something that has in recent years gained traction. There is a nascent, nascent movement largely led by parents of youth who were labor, labeled as abusers to push back on sex offenders lists and to rename the offenders or rename the offenders with more Forgiving labels, said Hamilton, founder and CEO of Child USA. They may have a point with child-on-child -child abuse because when it comes to juveniles, they can receive treatment that will dramatically reduce their likelihood of repeating the crime. Few, however, receive the therapy they need. But this movement is undermining child protection when they seek labels like minor attracted persons for all perpetrators, which normalizes this heinous crime against children. Child sex offenders have earned the moral stigma attached to pedophile or ephibile, which refers to adults who are sexually attracted to adolescents, Hamilton argued. Attempting to make the perpetrator a victim rather than a a child is another example how our culture persistently tends to favor adults to the detriment of the children, she said. These sorts of labels muddy the clarity we need to actually protect all children from child abusers. In her video, Galbraith argued that minor attracted persons don't get to choose whether they are attracted to children or not. Minor attracted persons simply mean that the person has an during sexual or romantic attraction to minors. 
They have not chosen this attraction, just as the rest of us have not chosen whether our attraction is. Galbraith said, you don't get to choose to be heterosexual or to be gay or whatever you are, and you don't get to choose to be a minor attracted person. Ladies and gentlemen, let me back up there. Yes, you do. I am not talking about the urges or the tendencies of what you desire, but to act upon them. It doesn't matter, heterosexual, homosexual, uh, pedophile, uh, whatever it is, you have to choose whether or not you act upon those things. You have to choose on whether or not you go get help when you know that you have feelings and passions and drives that are not healthy, that are not healthy. So when it means you are attracted in that manner, sexually speaking, to a child, that's not healthy, that's not whole, that's actually wicked. Now, my thing is, man, go get that demon cast out of you. But if they act upon it, yes, that is a crime, and that is a choice. That is a choice. I'm sick and tired of our culture and our society giving everybody that chooses, chooses badly and poorly, a pass. We are told that people with eating disorders, oh, that's they're, they're okay. Stop fat shaming. Uh, uh, they're fine. Love your body. We are told people with drug addictions and alcohol addictions, well, uh, um, you've got a disease, so it's not your fault. Oh, you're attracted to, to children. Oh, it's not your fault. Ladies and gentlemen, when are we as a society and as individuals going to take responsibility for our lives and for our actions and even the way we feel, even our attractions? Oy. Anyways, let me finish this. I'm almost done. It says, her video has also garnered pushback from conservative social media pundits and figures. Evil Florida Governor Ron DeSantis Press Secretary Christina Pushaw tweeted in response to a copy of the video posted on Twitter account, Libs of TikTok, uh, Fox News reported. So, oh, that's the end of it. It's a weird way to end this. But anyways, it's over. So, so check this out. I don't think I, I, I know of this group. I just don't really pay attention to any, anything on TikTok. But apparently there is a libs of TikTok, on, I guess on TikTok, or, and they posted something on uh, Twitter. And uh, Ron DeSantis's prayer press secretary, prayer secretary, press secretary, Christina Pushaw tweeted, this is just evil, evil. And I agree, it's evil. But isn't it interesting that this video was on libs? liberals, Democrats, ladies and gentlemen, left-leaners, libs of TikTok. I mean, they're, they're telling us who they really are. And some of you out there don't want to admit to it. You don't want to admit that the Democrat Party is this evil and this wicked. Home, home to the pedophiles and the perverts on, every, on all spectrums. Home to them. And again, why do you think we have open borders? If the United States of America is the number one uh, source or what, number one um, customer, I should say, for child sex trafficking, and Mexico is feeding the need, and you see the Democrats, the liberals, fighting against border walls, border security, they want open borders, come on in, ladies and gentlemen, just come on in. And we know from different patrol agents, patrol agencies, and even citizens that a lot of the people pouring over this border are drug cartel people dragging children with them. Yes, drugs, we know that. We know drugs uh, and all kinds of illegal things, weapons, but it's children as well. What are those children for? Many of them are to be sold 
here in the United States of America as sex slaves to these perverts, to these perverts. So again, I ask you, ladies and gentlemen, why would the Democrat Party want open borders knowing this is happening if they weren't involved in one way or another, making them just as perverted as the perverts buying these children? and the perverts bringing them over here. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. As a matter of fact, I remember, I got to do a little bit of research on this. Maybe you want to go check it out, ladies and gentlemen. But there, a few years ago, and this goes back some, some time, you know how on the internet you have, you know, .org, O-R-G, for certain things, and .com, C-O-M, and they even have .gov for government things. Well, some conservatives wanted to do something with the the all the porn sites and pornography, that if it had anything to do with pornography, they wanted it .xxx. And the reason is they wanted that is because then all of these filters that parents would put on their computers or on phones or on their children's computers, phones, iPads and such, it's much easier to just block out anything with .xxx in it, you know, .xxx is automatically blocked automatically because you know exactly what it's tied to and it would have been safer for children and easier for these companies and places to come up with with these protective software to protect children from pornography do you know it was the democrats who were against that yes ladies and gentlemen you can look it up it was the democrats that were against it why is it the democrats always take the side of perverts perversion pedophiles child molesters child sex traffickers, why? If they're not involved in it directly, why would they be against protecting children in this way? Why would they be against um, putting an end to child sex trafficking? Why? Well, because maybe, you know, I don't know, when we have a president, a Democrat president, that goes around sniffing little girls and touching them inappropriately to the point that the president's own daughter says how scared she was because anytime she took a shower who knew when uncle joe would just break in there and want to take a shower with her i mean what in god's name is going on and then we have the hunter biden when he's smoking crack and uh with a minor in the room and all of this perversion i mean it runs in that family and they're all democrats Go figure, ladies and gentlemen, why the Democrats want to have open borders, fight against anything that can protect children from these pedophiles and these perverts, and even light up the White House in rainbow colors in their support of the LGBT community that we know. It's just been proven over and over again. It's not even arguable to say that that group is not filled with perverts beyond the obvious. And it's the Democrats that not only protect this group and groups like them, but give them special preferential treatment. Bud Light, Budweiser. Do you know why people freaked out over Dylan Mulvaney's face on their can of beer? It wasn't just because of a man dressed like a woman. It was because of what that represents and now what you represent, you perverts, you pedophiles, you greasy, disgusting perverted. Uh, Please don't make me swear, ladies and gentlemen. I promise I won't cuss. I won't swear. I think I said enough. But the perverts, I'm I'm letting you all know. Companies, mainstream, people walking around, we'll find you. You're going down. We're going to put an end to this once and for all here and around the globe. Ladies and gentlemen, will you stand with me? Will you fight with me? Will you protect our children? Because God's children are not 
for sale. Thank you for choosing Table Flippers Podcast. To find our merchandise page, go to gwcclancaster.org. Then find the Table Flippers link, click on it, and it'll take you right there. Until next time, have a fantastic day. Say goodbye, Chippy. Goodbye!